When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, we're all in take five. Hook em up with E and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Oh, man. Heck of a Monday on Hook em Up with E and Rod P. Four days of feasting family and football, and most of it good football. Most yes, of it really good football, including the Longhorns on Friday night, the Cowboys on Turkey Day. The good, bad, and ugly, right? How about the Detroit Lions on Turkey Day losing I don't to know. the Green yeah. Bay Packers? That was that was bad, man. That's what everybody was getting on that Lions bandwagon, talking about they had a chance to potentially get the, you know, pot- compete for the number one seed in the NFC. Yep. That ain't going to happen. Couldn't even beat the Packers and Jordan Love looking good in uh, that game. One of the worst Packers teams we've seen in decades. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can't beat that Packers team. Yeah, yeah man. Some problems. Uh, so yeah, it was a great uh, weekend of football. Friday, of course, highlighted by the Longhorns' big win. Oklahoma hung a number on TCU on Friday, and then of course Saturday it was rivalry Saturday, and those games absolutely lived up to the billing. The Ohio State Michigan game was a thriller, all the way to the to the to the you know the end when uh, the Buckeyes had a chance maybe to. Win 31-30, but an interception, forcing it into Marvin Harrison, pressure in Kyle McCord's face. That was a great game. But then I said, Rod, those two thirty games, man, that stretch of finishes with the Auburn game. Uh, you mentioned the Washington-Washington State game. And the Iowa State-K-State game Iowa State, K-State in the snow was, was really all, good. Yeah, like a shootout in the snow. Oh, I don't know if it was a shootout team. They kept scoring thought, a lot of points. I thought the Florida, <laughs> Florida State game was a lot of fun. I mean, because you if you're a Texas fan, you were rooting for Florida. And for a stretch, it looked like you were going to pull it off. And that's kind of what Florida State has done, though. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't watched a lot of Florida State football, even with a backup quarterback, when you tune in this week to watch them play Louisville and are rooting for Louisville, just know they they find they find ways to win. Yeah, they're like they're like watching. They're comfortable. Yeah, you know, in clutch time with the game on the line, they've done it so much. Texas, you know, I like Texas clutch team this year. Yeah, the game on the line. Yeah, yeah. and they're they're really. I mean, Michigan's the most dominant team, but even they at home. I mean, you could argue. I mean, the, 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 if you're a Buckeyes fan, some of those calls, right? The you know, the, was it a touchdown or interception on the touchdown in the, in the first half? Um, you know, probably stayed with what they ruled on the field. That was a mm-hmm. very close play. Uh, there were a lot of those in that football game that separated Ohio State and Michigan. And in the end, the uh, the Wolverines are there. And you said it all year, Rod. There really isn't a overwhelmingly dominant team. Michigan as close as you get to dominant. But, you know, if, if I think – Ty and I were having this conversation to break – Looking at Texas, if Texas plays, you know, their best brand of football, and I think we saw it actually versus Texas Tech, even though the the inferior the, the opponent was inferior, I think we saw Texas play a really high level brand of football. They played to a standard, not their competition. I think Michigan may be the only team that I'd say straight up, man, yeah, they 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 they'll beat Texas. Well, and I think this weekend's a reminder. Even with Texas playing their best brand of football, sure. Well, yeah. because there was the narrative going into the weekend or the last couple of weeks is. You know, Alabama, you know, if, they, if Texas replayed Alabama, the, uh, Bama would win by two touchdowns. Well, wait That's a second. Crazy. 
Come on now. Beat them by double digits at home. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and, and yeah, we just watched Bama damn near lose to Auburn. Yeah, that's it's crazy. It's not a good team. I know it's a rivalry game, but it's college. There isn't – I mean, Texas is really good. Texas they are really has good. the best interior D-line yeah. in the country. God, they fixed their reds on offense. They would be – they'd be the best team in the country. Well, and that's – whatever <laughs> happens this year, and there's a scenario obviously by where the Longhorns win this game Saturday, win the Big 12 and, you know, play Tulane in the Fiesta Bowl. Um, but it's still a great year. But in the end, this team – I mean, that Oklahoma game and <laughs> that, that, you know, first quarter tough start and then mm-hmm. the, the, the two-minute odd defense and all those things, that's, that's preventing the Longhorns from, from that. And, you know, but that's a step. Sark talked about this year was about controlling their destiny for this game. Yep. Right? We don't want to, you know, Sark said after they lost that Oklahoma game, every game was a Big 12 championship game. Every game. Because they couldn't stub their toe again. Uh, and they've handled that. Uh, so, but you're right. The, the – the frustration of that Oklahoma game is keeping Texas – they'd be the number one team in the country right now if yeah. they won that game. Because yeah, I mean, they know, would have been number one from the beginning and they wouldn't be dropping. Yeah, but you know what? I, I've come to the conclusion now, and I think Sark has come to the uh, unfortunate uh, conclusion as well and the and accepted the reality. They're just bad in the red zone, and he's tried everything to fix it. You know he has. He's been working on it since, like, week two. And it's week 12. I mean, sorry, you know, last game of the season for Texas. And – they still struggle in the red zone. It's okay. They're flawed. They're not a perfect team. It's okay. No team, by the way, Michigan's as close as it gets, but no te- and Michigan's got flaws too. No team is perfect, and one of the issues with Texas is their red zone offense. And I think Bird Auburn's ascent has really helped Sark accept this reality. Now, to, to ease to your uh, advice, he's heeding your advice now, taking the points. Nothing wrong with taking them points. I have a great defense. Exactly. And that comp- it's basically right. complimentary football. Fronts. Yeah. Yes. And as you pointed out, uh, we already, you, you missed that from the 6 o'clock hour. Rod talked about the aggressive defensive scheme with a lot of uh, man coverage and press man, which really led to a dominant defensive performance as well. So, yeah, it was all on display on Saturday. Uh, and, yeah, even the red zone offense, it's almost like they're cursed. Arch Manning yes. in the game, and he dropped a he snap dropped in the red zone. <laughs> what are we doing? It's like there's a curse going on. Like every, penalty. And it's almost always on, like, second down. Like, yeah. second down in the red zone, they screw it up. It's and, you know, Sark's over there going, oh, really? Really? What's going to go wrong on this play? This was their best complete – Full four-quarter game all season. All three phases scored. There was almost no letdowns across the board. Red zone offense still was bad. It, just, it is what it is, guys. It is, it's okay. It's okay. Like, nobody's perfect. Your kids aren't perfect. No teams are perfect. This is one of their big issues. And, but, but they overcome it because they're explosive, and they score from outside the red zone. Hell, man, they had a lot of explosive plays in that game. Well, however they play complimentary season. football. Uh, however this season ends, it's a, it's a big step forward for the program without a doubt. No, no, you, but you, you but the story, I mean, because the red zone offense is why you lost the Oklahoma game. I mean, yeah. it really is yeah, true. at the end of the day. Can we get to the headlines, the trending topics, top stories on a Monday? <laughs> top Gun Rentals bring them to you. We start with college football, sixth and second week. Now Longhorns number seven in this week's Associated Press top 25 rankings uh, after that demolition of Texas Tech on senior night, 57-7. to uh, AP voters, one thing, but the college football playoff rankings will be out tomorrow night, the penultimate college football playoff rankings. We'll see where the Longhorns sit in that. It, all, it rolls into championship weekend, which will start Friday night when Washington meets Oregon in the Pac-12 championship. Then Saturday, Georgia and Alabama score off in the SEC title game. Michigan faces Iowa in the Big Ten. Florida State will face 15th-ranked Louisville in the ACC. And, of course, 11 a.m. in Arlington, the 11-1 Longhorns will play 19th-ranked Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship game. Cowboys got there with an incredible rally. Mike Gundy's team rallied from 18 down to top BYU, 40-34 to in a thriller. They secure their shot at the title. Longhorns opened as an 11-and-a-half point favorite in that game. Lines already moved up 
to 14 in a lot of spots. Elsewhere in college football, it appears to be official. Uh, Texas A&M has finalized a deal to hire Duke's Mike Elko to be their new head coach. Wild weekend in College Station. Aggies initially pursued, according to many reports, and agreed to hire uh, Kentucky head coach Mark Stoops Saturday night. That deal fell apart early Sunday. Program will now turn to Elko, who posted a 16-9 and record across two seasons at Duke. Before that, the 46-year-old served as the D.C., the defensive coordinator at A&M for three years under Jimbo Fisher. Also today, Houston Cougars fired Dana Holgerson after five seasons uh, in a 4-8 and campaign this year. Baylor announced that their head coach, Dave Aranda, will be retained despite a 3-9 and campaign. Uh, but there are going to be a lot of changes on his coaching staff. Mississippi State has hired OU offense coordinator Jeff Levy to be their new head coach. College basketball yesterday at Moody Center, Sunday matinee for the Longhorns. Rodney Terry and company improved to 5-1 and one in the season. They uh, over Wyoming, 86 to 63. Max Aismas led the way with 23. In the NFL, tough loss for the Houston Texans yesterday. Jacksonville secured their spot atop the AFC South and put an end to Houston's three-game win streak. 24-21, the final Texans kicker, Matt Amendola's 58-yard game-tying field goal bounced off the crossbar. Uh, at the end of the game, would have sent it to overtime. Also yesterday, Jalen Hurts scored a 12-yard touchdown run in overtime. Now the Eagles edged the Bills 37-34 in a great game at Lincoln Financial Field. Uh, Cowboys unable to make up a game in the NFC East with that win for the Eagles. And last night on Sunday Night Football, the Ravens doubled up the Chargers 20-10. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Double up discounts this month by getting 5% off any rental or purchase of steel outdoor power equipment by donating two non-perishable food items from Capillary Food Bank. TopGun.net, we'll shoot you straight. And it is indeed a fact that after the drone show and the two night home games that Texas had, they've scored explosive you know, breakaway touchdowns, almost back-breaking touchdowns too. Big plays. Xavier Worthy in the Wyoming game right after the drone show to start the run they had in the fourth, fourth quarter with 21 points, and they pull away and win, I think, 31-10 in Wyoming. Uh, that drone show happened between the third and the fourth quarter, and then Xavier Worthy a couple of plays later pops a big one. And then in this previous game, this past game against Texas Tech, they did the drone show between the first and the second quarter, I believe, and then that's when Jaden Blue pops that 69-yard run a couple of plays after they have the drone show. So whatever the drone show is doing to the opposing team, maybe they're in awe of it because, you know, they're just don't, not used to seeing <laughs> elements of the in-game environment like that. And I've heard it's pretty spectacular. I've not witnessed it in person, but I've heard it will blow your mind. Maybe it's blowing the minds of the opposing defense, and when they get it back in the field, they're dazed and confused. They can't handle it, and Texas breaks a big play. So my, I think just now we know there's a trend here, a little pattern. The in-game uh, folks for DKR who control all the uh, the in-game elements, use it wisely. Yeah, use it wisely. Use it wisely. Yeah. Only two night games this year at home. Yeah. And, uh, Use it wisely, Pretty man. spectacular stuff going on there. I would also say it was cool to see Arch Manning roll out there, went two for five for 30 yards, also showed some athleticism. And how about the running back room, Rod? I mean, we, Sark said afterwards people have asked about C.J. Baxter. C.J. suffered a bit of a hip pointer, got hit right on the helmet, right on his hip. Uh, Sark said he could have come back, uh, mm. but kind of a coach's decision because, you know, they were up comfortably and got a big game this weekend with Oklahoma State. But, boy, Jaden Blue, 10 carries, buck 21, including that 69-yard touchdown run, mm -hmm. showing the, the top-end speed. Uh, Savion Red came in, ran for 72 yards. Uh, Trey Wisner came in, ran the ball. Longhorns, um, you know, your guy uh, – Everybody, man. Uh, is doing, what, gosh, the, the running back. It's our choice. It's our choice. Yeah, he's killing a heck of a job recruiting and developing these players. Because I was watching the Falcons yesterday, Bijan Robinson. Mm -hmm. I keep, I mean, I think everybody says the same thing, but he, he had 16 carries yesterday. 
Why just 16? They can't stop him. They can't stop him. It's for unbelievable. Reason, they're saving Bijan, yeah, and nobody knows what they're saving him for. Draft <laughs> him in the top 10, run it's his like, tires off. Exactly. That's the whole point. It's like, you're not going to, hopefully, you know, by the time you get to his second contract, you know, he's achieved, you know, Pro Bowl status, all pro status. Um, but I, I'm with you. I don't know why they seem to have him on a pitch count. It's weird. But they do that with all their star players. This is why people are frustrated with Arthur Smith. They do it uh, with, with Kyle Pitts. Uh, with him, they've done it with – they did it with a lot of their high-end talent, and I don't know what the issue is. You draft them in the top ten, make them the focal point of the offense. He, the, the focal points of the offense, like the elite players like Bijan and Kyle Pitts, they have fewer red zone targets and touches than some of the other periphery players. It's weird. Yeah. Nobody knows what Arthur Smith is doing. I like Arthur Smith, by the way, but I'll admit I'm a little perplexed by how the hell he utilizes Bijan. It's weird. Perplexed. Strange. Let me ask you this, too. We just came off Bullish or Stupefied. BS. And, uh, Rod will take us behind the burn orange curtain. Longhorns with a big senior night win. We'll hear Sark coming up. Uh, what a send-off for the seniors. What a yeah. night it was. I love how Sark said, you know, what a memory. That's A lot of these guys, that is their last home game to have seen. It's true. Uh, to be a part of that. Uh, everybody had, you know, milling around. I mean, because the, the crowd, I mean, it was a Friday night. So everybody was off work, and mm-hmm. so it was one of those. It had a special feel to it, but, man, I don't remember a, a, a crowd staying like that. Like, the game was well over. Normally when it's 50 to, you know, whatever, People the crowd heads out. Hitting the exits. They didn't. Well, they they for, stayed to honor that team and sing the eyes of Texas and be a part of that. That was pretty cool. From what I heard, people were getting ready to leave, and they put in arch. Oh. And people came back. <laughs> people started, started to leave, right? Because that, that was right. right in the third quarter. When was that arch came? Right in? at the end of the third. The third quarter. So from what I hear, uh, I got multiple sources who don't even know each other. Multiple South Stadium, sweet people, and Gen Pop, who said, no, no, we were getting ready to leave. It was People were making plans like, hey, let's go here. We're going to meet up here. Okay, you're right and about they put that. Arch in. Everybody was like, Arch is in. Whoa. People like, texting me. Hey, man, you better come back, man. Arch is coming. Arch is in. Trust so I, me. It was Arch that brought people back. And I think that's what allowed you to close so strong with the crowd in addition to the senior night and all that was that Arch. They got Come here. We, didn't, we thought we'd see Malik. Nobody thought they see Arch. Yeah. We didn't know Malik was hurt at the time. They no, see didn't. Arch and like, what? The Arch is out there. So I think that's what brought the crowd back. I think you're right about that. And yeah. he got a huge ovation. Yep. And, you know, that's their first chance and our first. I mean, I'll tell you that the uh, the in-game watch I was doing on, on, on Inside Texas, we were looking for something, right? Because Texas was just beating the daylight. Yeah, 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 talk about it. You're like, so, yeah, come on. Hey, look, Arch is going in. <laughs> talking about A&M's uh, coaching hire and all kind of stuff going on. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of that, and we'll pick up the but Texas Arch looked good, though. He looked really good. He does. He's he, got a, he, he can hum it. He's got great athleticism. Oh, man. He's got a quick release. Lease E. I mean, Jerry talked about that, but you can see it. You can. Um, and I, I love how composed he was. Came in, quieted the crowd. He told him, hey, man, y'all calm down. It's all good. So he's calm and composed and collected. And I mean, an eight minute drive in, on your, what, second drive uh, of your career as a freshman? I, I mean, that's impressive. I know they didn't ask him to throw the ball a lot. He had, what, two completions, something like that. But he ran for a first down, saw him move around. He's definitely the most mobile and athletic of the Mannings. He's going to be special. I think it's pretty obvious. He's going to be special. He's going to be a real good player. Yeah. Obviously, the timeline, we won't know uh, because, uh, you know, Longhorns will play this Saturday against Oklahoma State as a two-touchdown favorite. They will then sit back and watch the you know, committee rankings on Sunday. And then Monday, transfer portal opens, right? Oh, transfer portal right. is open Drama. as of this coming Monday, one week from today, uh, 45 days of the – Everything everybody loves the transfer portal. Uh, <laughs> all right, so right, right on on the Texas A&M hire of Mike Elko, that that's one thing, and then you know he'll have a press conference, and I think it's a safe hire. Knows that locker room. Yeah. Uh, Ty wasn't big on it because it's they you know not a change of kind of a, a bringing somebody back. Yeah, uh, not a fresh it's start. True. But you know some are suggesting so the Mike Stoops or the Mark Stoops conversation. Mark Stoops was essentially hired by Ross Bjork. 
Like, he got on a plane, according to reports, and flew to College Station. That's unbelievable. Only to be sent back. That's, that's, is that fireable for Ross Bjork? I mean, even though he's done a good yeah. job in a lot of – I mean, that, that, that should never – how does that happen? It just shows he's out of touch with the board or the decision makers. He's not – because you should, you should at least have an inkling of an idea of how they're going to respond to the candidate you're bringing in. To have them just totally – you know, rebuff your candidate and basically send him home and knowing it's going to be a public spectacle when they do so, yeah, that just shows Ross Bjork is not as in touch with that, those decision well, makers then, as we then, thought. And then, you know, Mark Stoops had to go back to Lexington and say, oh, no, nothing to see here. You know, I mean, that's, a, that's embarrassing for him. Now, they're happy to keep their coach because oh, yeah. he's done a really good job there. Uh, they're going to punish him for it. But at the same time, that is mm. – and, you know exactly. – that's just, that's bad business. That's bad leadership uh, to not to, to to have that happen. If that is the way it went down, and we'll maybe hear more on it this week. I know my buddy Mike Craven over at Dave Campbell's Texas Football has been covering all of these stories all weekend. I'll get some details from him. But man, it is uh, it is crazy. Uh, all right, we also had a Texans fan uh, send this in. Our Houston Texans man, I thought the Texans were going to win the game when they stopped the Jaguars right before half from the one yard line. Had the momentum. They came out and scored a TD to take the lead. Refs were bad. Tank Dell caught a pass on that last drive. Oh. I don't care what anyone says. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. I, I will say the referees. I mean, I, you know, I, I, had, I had not heard a game done by um, Matt Ryan and Tiki Barber. Uh, okay. They were there in the booth. Yeah. And uh, it, even they were like, the, the, the officials, I mean, it wasn't one-sided. Like, I mean, they were They're just bad on both. Um, well, the game, the, the yeah. game looked like it was going to turn on an interception that the Texans had when D D uh, Derek Stingley had an interception. But Evan Ingram, the tight end, got held. I mean, the, the reason the interception is, is uh, um, you know, Trevor Lawrence threw a, you know, a slant route, and Jalen Peachy reached out and grabbed Evan Ingram to slow him down. And that's how he got the big. Then it was the interception. <laughs> but they didn't call it. And then from then on, like anything was called holding. I mean, the, did the Jags, I mean, I, there's makeup calls, and then there were like three different makeup calls yeah. that helped the Jags get a touchdown on the board. It was bad officiating. And then the, the call he's talking about, Tank Dell tried to toe tap uh, out of bounds. Mm, I saw that. Would have been a huge catch for the Texans and then maybe get them, you know, a chance to get a touchdown and win the game. Instead, they had to settle for a 58-yard field goal. Oh, hit the crossbar. Right off the crossbar. Oh, that's brutal. And if you're a Jags fan, that was pretty cool because you – the, the the play before that was a second down play, and you're too you know when you when you invest in draft picks in uh, Josh Allen as a, what he was at the seventh pick out of Kentucky, and now he's one of the sack leaders in the NFL this year. And then Trayvon Walker, remember they took him number one out yeah. of Georgia. Those two guys combined on a big sack that pushed Houston back, and they had to settle for a really long field goal. And um, that was just it's a fun game. I mean, as a Texans fan, you're disappointed, but that's the first of many. Trevor Lawrence v. C.J. Stroud. AFC South battles. Yeah. Many, many more to come in that. Yeah. No, you're right about that. And I think for, for the Texans, I know people are upset potentially because the refs might have, uh, you know, helped out the Jags a little bit. Well, they helped the Jags first, but then they like, almost went overboard yeah. to help to make up for the terrible missed call. Yeah. So I, I, I think the Texans are so ahead of schedule that I, they're, in a, they're still in the playoff hunt, technically. They're in the hunt right now. And they're still in the hunt for the division. I think the Jags are going to win the division because the Jags are just a better team all around. Um, but the Texans window – Nobody thought the window would be started this year. The window's open yeah. for the Texans. Next, is. Their offseason is going to be really interesting to see well, what moves they make in the offseason. Well, think about this. They're sitting at 6-5. and five. That was a, that was a, you know, not going to win the division now, most likely, no. with Jacksonville taking that win. But their next few games, Denver, the Jets. Denver's playing much better. They are. They're playing much better. But that better. game is in Houston, and they, that game has been moved to 1 o'clock. Yeah. Uh, but Denver is a winnable game at home. It's winnable, but Sean Payton's a hell of a coach. He is. And then mm -hmm. they're playing the Jets. Then they play Tennessee. Then oh. they play Cleveland. Then That's... they play Tennessee. Then they play Indianapolis. 
So ten win seasons be, not out of the question, right? Say, that should easily be three wins. The 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 Browns without you know quarterback defense still tough, but yeah, without a quarterback they're beating. And that game's in Houston. Yep. Uh, so the Jets game's in New York. The ten again. Also, good those defense. are all look, those are all winnable games. Agreed. Point being, at six and five, Houston could get to nine, ten, eleven wins, and that's way ahead of schedule. D'Amico's um, gonna win coach of the year if that's the case. We know C.J. Stroud's gonna win rookie of the year. Uh, Nick Casario might get executive of the year. They may do a clean sweep in some of those awards. Well, because, you know, CJ's a great player, and they got off from under the Deshaun Watson mess uh, and, and all of the capital that came from that. And Will Anderson looks the deal. He looks good. And Tank Dell. I mean, Tank Dell, no one can cover the guy. So, you know, CJ Stroud being the scout saying, hey, go, go draft mm-hmm. CJ, draft that guy. Draft I work Dell. out with him in the summertime. He's really good. Uh, that's, you know, the, the, they are ahead of schedule. But I would say this, too, as a te- Jacksonville. I picked them to win that division. I thought maybe – I still think they could end up with home field, Rod, if they get into you know, kicking in gear here Ooh, uh, in the tough. AFC. They're now 8-3. and three, But, man, that's the Trevor Lawrence, right? Trevor mm-hmm. Lawrence, 368 yards. Um, Calvin Ridley was really good yesterday. They've got good receivers. A. Jones, the former Austin High Maroon there. Um, now that's a team that, that could be in the mix. But, you know, right now they're behind the, the Chiefs and the, the Ravens, Ravens and the AFC. Yeah. Chief, and I mean, the, the, Chiefs. the Chiefs haven't looked this beatable. Since they acquired Patrick Mahomes, well, since they made him the starter, they haven't looked this beatable. Yeah, and they fell behind fourteen nothing yesterday, yeah, and they, then rallied and made it look easy against the Raiders. They're exactly, still the, they're still the Chiefs, and so, they still have that guy. Well, just to your point though about Jacksonville, if Trevor Lawrence goes on a heater here and he gets hot, they could because the Ravens, the Ravens are a good team too. But the Ravens can't seem to put it all together, whether it be injuries or whether it be they gave me the Steelers when they had all those drops. Steelers, man, they still it's one of the most remarkable stories in NFL history. They just fired uh, Matt Cannon. Guess what they did for the first time in, like, three years? They had a game where they had at least 400 total yards of offense after letting go of Matt Cannon. He hadn't done it his entire tenure with the Steelers. He never called a game where they had 400 total yards of offense, and they did it in the first damn game. (laughs) They got rid of this dude. It's crazy. He was pretty bad. He was terrible. Somebody asked us on the text line, is it true that Mark Stoops got no extra perks from Kentucky in his return? Dude was lucky he didn't reduce his salary when he came crawling back. No, yeah. he didn't get a raise. That's I on his believe. agent. That's on his agent right there. Agent should have should have had that ready to come back a, with a little care package. <laughs> when, you're, when you're telling people, yes, I've got the job, and I'm flying there. That's on Rossby York. <laughs> yes. Hey, man. You, you get, Crown show. Yeah, you can't be uh, signing off on stuff like that unless you know the boosters, donors, and decision makers all have your back. Well, and that's what, I mean, there was universal outrage. Yeah. It seemed like the majority of the people, the decision makers actually lashed out. We hired who? Like, what? Nope. Nope. I already hired him. Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I already hired him, guys. Okay. He's on a plane. <laughs> yeah. Well, we well, didn't. Get to the airport. Well, we're not, we're not going to approve this hire, so I don't know where that leaves you, Ross. Unreal. Hey, we come back. Rod will take us behind the BOC. How the uh, Longhorns demolished the Texas Tech Red Raiders 57-7 to in their final matchup with their uh, longtime rivals, or, you know, Longtime foe. I shouldn't call him a rival. Uh, longtime foe in Texas Tech. Uh, we'll also get uh, some off the record before the end of the hour. It's a busy Monday. The good, the bad, and the ugly from a great weekend. Glad you're with us. Eight holes in and nine to go. Presented by the great folks at Callahan's General Store. We are at the turn on Hook 'em Up with E and Rod B. That's right. Brought to you by Callahan's General Store. The turn. Expression in golf, Rod. It's the uh, part of the course where the front nine turns into the back nine. Nice. And uh, this is our halfway point of our show. We start at 6. We're done at 11. So 
Uh, 8.30 is our halfway point. We're at the turn. It's brought to you by Callahan's General Store, our great friends there. Uh, and at the turn, ride a little golf. You know, we're going to be, you know what else we're announcing here? We're bringing back the golf course of the month. Brought to you by Callahan's General Store. That will begin in December. And so we're going to be uh, highlighting a different golf course every month, December into January and beyond in 2024. And you'll learn the story of those courses and how to play it. And our buddy Omar Uresti, our, our touring pro, he'll be with us to help uh, fire those up. And we'll let you know coming up later in this week which our first course is going to be uh, in December. It's all brought to you by Callahan's General Store. How about this rod from golf? Tiger Woods. Tiger, Tiger, Tiger Woods. Uh, back this weekend. He's back? Uh, well, no, he is uh, – uh, let me get this right. Tiger Woods is committed to playing the 2023 Hero World Challenge. Oh, okay. Hero World Challenge. And, uh, you know, he's making his way back. It's a cool mm -hmm. thing. Uh, his first start since the 2023 Masters. Yeah, he'll be back this weekend, right? Yeah. Coming back, baby. Well, mm -hmm. championship Saturday, and you got Tiger Woods playing in the Bahamas on the Hero World Challenge. Can't beat that. Yeah, but he's not coming back, back. He's just He does say his ankle dabbling. injury. He says, my ankle is fine. Where they fused my ankle, I have absolutely zero issue whatsoever. Yeah, until he starts walking the course. Yeah. <laughs> but anytime Tiger Woods is back on a golf course. It's good, but I, we've seen this before, and usually it's all, you know, it's all optimistic until he actually has to go to a second, third day on the course. That's right. And then, you know, father time catches up with us all. Also coming up in December, you're going to get your fix of Tiger because he's going to be playing in that father-son tournament with his uh, son, Charlie. Oh, young phenom, the, the prodigy. phenom, yeah. Uh, December 16th through the, and the 17th in Orlando. So you get Tiger this weekend, and then you'll get Tiger and Charlie in December. So he's you're playing some forward. golf. I don't know if he's coming back. He's playing some golf. I always say that. Tiger's playing golf again. I don't know well, if he's Well, here's back. the interesting part. Tiger has said that, it, you know, if I can get – because he can make a shot. And people who play with him down at his club say he can see still can – it's not about the swing. It's a, he's still Tiger Woods, but just walking the four, four to four yeah, rounds. Oh man! And if he ever get back to that point, he's carrying it. Yeah. All that oh yeah. Stuff. Oh man. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see where that gets to. But uh, excited to have Tiger Woods coming back, and excited to have Callahan's General Store back with us uh, at the turn. We'll do it every morning. Uh, a few minutes of golf, and telling you about the courses around Central Texas, and it brought to you by our great friends there at Callahan's General Store. Gosh, forty-five years, Rod. They've been doing it right there, right by the airport. Yes. Still locally owned and operated. Everybody knows what Callahan's General Store is. They did. And, they, yeah. and if you haven't been in there, Rod, you'd be amazed how large it is. It's a massive place. Oh, it's got all kind of stuff it's in there. massive. And yeah. uh, our tie with them, in addition to being great people and everything you need, Christmas gifts there, it's amazing when you, when you walk around the retail side. Uh, but keeping your, your yard golf course ready, you want to make your yard look like a golf course, you do it at Callahan's General Store each and every time. Uh, they have all the seeds you need, plus the expertise. And we've had back-to-back -back really rough summers. Uh, so if you want, Rod, we're doing the show right here from the home studio, and you can see the, the beautiful golf course out there. Onion yes, Creek. sir. Uh, that's what your yard can look like if you get to Callahan's at General Store, and that is at the turn. We'll hit it every single morning right here about 8.30. A little golf chatter right ahead of Burn Orange Curtain. Let's, uh, let's tell you about and that, that's going to wrap up our at the turn for this morning. Rod, can we go behind the Burn Orange Curtain? Yes, and they this up. asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, let's talk about Texas's uh, offense versus Texas Tech. Talk about the defense last segment. If we have some time, we'll get back to that really impressive defense performance. But I want to go to the offense because the most impressive thing about the offense, uh, and he mentioned them earlier, the running back room. Right. I mean, everybody knows when they lost Jonathan Brooks. Argument, you know, you can make the argument he was the MVP of the team 
and uh, he was definitely kind of the the lifeblood of the offense, right? The engine of that offense. And losing Jonathan Brooks, the assumption was that there will be a regression in the Texas running game. That has not been the case. <laughs> C.J. Baxter stepped up, gave you a 100-yard game versus Iowa State on the road for a freshman. And then this game, Jaden Blue ended up with 10 rushes for 121 yards um, and ended up with that one touchdown at 69-yarder. And even if you take out the 69-yarder, you're talking about a guy still averaging uh, five yards per carry. So it, on top of the explosive plays they got, man, they were just able to run the football and run downhill on Texas Tech. Savion Red, 9 for 72. He averaged 8 yards per carry. Uh, Trey Wisner, um, 7 for 60, 8.6 yards per carry. And C.J. Baxter, 9 for 45, 5 yards per carry. Keelan Robinson even got in on it, right? It ain't no fun if your homies can't have none. He got one rush. It, that, that swing screen was considered a rush uh, where he scored the 10-yard uh, the touchdown there. So if you go look at it, it seems like the running back room as a whole right now is playing their best brand of football. And I'll give Sark credit. I think Sark, and I thought this would – actually be something that would, would you know, kind of decrease um, over time, especially after losing Rojo and Bijan, is the amount of two tailback sets, multi-back sets. Um, we're talking about two tailbacks here. So 21 personnel, even 31 personnel. We've seen Sarkis backs one tight end, two backs one tight end. He broke out the 21 personnel versus Texas Tech. That's when we got your 69-yard run. Um, uh, he had three – there were three explosive runs out of 21 personnel. That's a rush of 10 yards or more out of 21 personnel in that Texas Tech game. Um, and that's, like I said, two backs, one tight end. And I have been a huge advocate of what they call the pony package. That's two tailbacks ever since Tom Herman was here. As a matter of fact, when Jeff Trailer actually was at Texas, Texas used that, that pony package. And I believe it was you – know, was that Deontay Foreman and, like, Chris Warren like it was they used the pony package at one time too at one point and I, I was always a huge advocate and I, I was always implore Tom Herman to use more of the two tailback sets because he had good tailbacks right you had Keontae Ingram you had Rojo after that you had Bijan Texas has been stockpiling in the running back room for a while and now we're seeing the running back room still talented even after losing Jonathan Brooks who should be a finalist for the Doak Walker Award the best running back in the country and so I've been tracking two tailback sets for a long time <clears throat> here at Texas since 2020 and you go look at it every year. If you go look at yards per attempt and yards per play, if you're looking at explosive play rates, if we're looking at efficiency in the passing game, your most explosive and your most efficient and your most effective personnel package since Sark has gotten here has been 21 personnel. Um, in 2021, it was your highest yards per attempt out of any personnel package. Um, you had your highest explosive play rate out of any personnel uh, personnel packages as well, out of 21 personnel in 2021. Um, you were averaging over six yards per play in multi-back sets. In 2022, you got even better, which makes sense. You got Rojo and Bijan, right? Uh, in 2022, your highest yards per play, your highest yards per attempt, uh, and your highest explosive play rate all came out of 21 personnel. And you're thinking, yeah, of course, because that's Rojo and Bijan on the field together, sometimes sprinkling a little Keelan Robinson. They're on the field together with X-Man, with JT Sanders. You know, that that's your best uh, complement of weaponry on the field at one time. And Sark loved that. By fact, Sark's been using two tailback sets ever since his time at Atlanta. Remember, he was in Atlanta. He followed my, more, my boy Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan runs more 21 personnel, two backs, one tight end, <clears throat> than any coach in the league 
but the Kim Kardashian, Nicki Minaj, the Ritter size, Cardi B size, Megan the same size, but is that he uses a traditional fullback. Well, as traditional as Kyle Juszczyk gets, but he uses a fullback. Sark wanted to... He wanted to follow up Shano and use some of the same principles and concepts. He didn't want to take them off of that Shano offense cold turkey. So he used a lot of two tailback sets instead of the traditional fullback with Tevin Coleman. I think it was uh, Devontae Freeman when he followed Shano in Atlanta in, uh, when Shano went to the uh, 49ers in 2017. So he's been using it ever since then. And when he got to Texas, just serendipitous, right, just saying happy accident of sorts. He ends up with the best running back room in the country and needs a way to weaponize those running backs. Two tailback sets are a great way to do it. So he used the knowledge that he had gained from my boy Shano and from that time in Atlanta as the offensive coordinator and used some of those same concepts. And then – he added to it because last year he brought in Brennan Marion for a year. By the way, Brennan Marion at UNLV, he's an uh, offensive coordinator. He's actually up <clears throat> for the uh, U of H job, too. He's one of the candidates. I don't think he'll get it. But there's a reason UNLV is leading the country in rushing touchdowns right now. Leading the country in rushing touchdowns because they're running that go-go offense to tailback offense with a West Coast passing game all right, and a triple option run game. And that's basically what the go-go offense is. And Sark – uh, siphoned and stole a lot of those concepts from the go-go offense when he had uh, Baron and Marion on his staff. And last year, we saw, once again, 21 personnel shine through. And it was one of those things where it was your most effective, explosive, and efficient personnel grouping. And this year, I thought, okay, without Rojo and Bijan, not only will the usage of 21 personnel multi-back sets uh, decrease, which I think it has decreased, but there's no doubt the, explo- the explosive uh, factor, the explosive play rate, the efficiency numbers, the yards per tip, all that would go down without Bijan and Rozier, right? Wrong. That's not the case. Actually, everything is going up. Yards per rush has gone up. You're, at, you're over nine yards per rush when you run the ball out of 21 personnel or multi-back sets. Uh, if you look at yards per attempt, you're at over 14 yards per attempt out of 21 personnel, and you're at the point where you're over 10 yards per play out of 21 personnel now after the Tech game on, in the 2023 season. Even without Bijan, without Rojo, it still tracks. It still tracks. And I found this cut from Nick Saban from a couple of years ago. And he was being asked about two tailback sets because it's becoming more and more prominent. Mike Norvell loves him um, at, at Florida State. He's a big fan of two tailback sets. You see it more and more. Matter of fact, the original Air Raid, guys, was a, was a two tailback set. The original Air Raid was it was out of uh, two uh, two running back set. It was 21 personnel. And then Mike Leach is the one that takes it to 10 personnel. They were in 20 and 21, and Mike Leach is the one that takes it to 10 personnel, one back, zero tight ends, and goes four wide. That was his added dimension to the air raid. But at first, just like the West Coast offense, West Coast offense was 21 personnel. That was a traditional fullback back in the day. So <clears throat> more and more teams are starting to go retro and running more pony package, which is two back, two tailbacks in the backfield. Here's Nick Saban. He was asked about this growing trend and how to defend it. This is the best defensive mind in the history of college football telling you it's tough to defend those two tailback sets in a run game. Well, I think you make a good point that that is something that is becoming more and more pervasive uh, in presentation to what people are doing on offense. Uh, but I also think you make a good point. How you defend it depends on the diversity of the players that are actually making those two back sets. But I also think one of the things that people are doing more of with two back sets is using the Y as an off player. So they're actually creating what I refer to as three back runs. So you have 
three people in the backfield because of the why, although he's not probably going to carry the ball, uh, he is a slider blocker, an insert blocker. So the keys become different. Um, the formations are a little different. But it's just a part of what we have to do now in terms of being able to send those formations. But most people who do it, they still maintain spread-type elements in what they do, whether they still throw RPOs or uh, boot, boots. And just an opportunity to get maybe a more skilled guy the ball uh, because the predominant formation in college football is three wide receivers, a tight end, and a back. Well, when you replace that tight end with a very skilled guy as a running back, you can do some of the same things, but you create a little better mismatch in some cases, depending on what kind of tight ends a team has in terms of what you have to defend. And there you go. Nick Saban talking about it, it, it's tough to defend those two tailbacks. You don't practice against it, as he brought up too. So for Texas, I'm glad that Sark is still committed to the pony package, even though he lost Jay Brooks, no Bijan and Rojo, because all the analytics and all the stats tell you it still works. Matter of fact, not just it works, it's your best personnel grouping, period. Has been since you got here, Sark, continues to be, even in 2023. Explosive. Good stuff right there in, uh, behind the BOC. Longhorns, even with uh, an injured Jonathan Brooks, still running the ball. Jason yeah. Blue was 121 yards on 12 mm. yards of carry. That 69-yard no. run obviously inflated that. I thought Savion Red gave you some hard yards Ooh, in that fourth he's quarter. Running, he's, he runs like he's mad at the grass. Yeah, Trey Wisner yeah. looked really good, too. He's over 8.6 yards. Uh, C.J. Baxter was fine until he five had yards per carry. five yards per <laughs> carry. was no slouch. This, this, is how t- this is how rare it is that teams see these two uh, back sets in the backfield. Nick Saban complained last year that they saw eye formation and his defense didn't know how to line up. That's a real fact. He said Tennessee showed him eye formation on the goal line. The players didn't know how to line up. They don't see it often. They don't see it. Yeah, so that's why you should use more of it. Yeah, we'll be back <laughs> when we do a little off-the-record stories maybe you've missed from the weekend, but you need to know because they'll be talked about. It's Hook'em Up with Ian Rodgers. D.D. Mega Doo-Doo, I'm sorry, Mangoodoo. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Deli Cat Essen. Well, well I don't get a brain to head comb. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in, the, good sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. Off the record. Hey, Rod. Uh-oh. Dolly Parton in a cheerleader uniform on Thanksgiving. Far greater mm. than Jack Harlow in the Detroit Lions game. Can we disagree to that? And her, and her 77-year-old Dolly Parton singing and, and fitting into and looking okay in a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader mm. uniform. Yeah, she looked okay for her age. She's like 77, right? Yeah. Yeah, she looked I did not think that looked 77. good whatsoever. For 77? 77, bro. She shouldn't be up there. Bro. No, I don't She's disagree with Dolly that. Parton. She could barely stand up there. She was holding on to the rails like she was about to keel over. <laughs> she was. She could not. Yeah, you're right about that. She just kept like, holding on. I'm glad they had rails there for her. She was. And she, yeah. I, I agree with all that, but I'm, I still think she looked good for 77. 77? By the way, and now she has uh, the highest charting album of her career. Her new album, Rockstar, debuted at number three on the block, uh, Billboard 200 all-genre chart. That's crazy. Yeah. Like she's making new music. Yeah, new album. She's a rock star. Remember, she went into the rock. She was in, in, in voted into the rock, elected into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, 
And then she declined it. She said, "Well, I don't do rock and roll." So, but then she then she great, accepted it after 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 initially. Oh, that's did, right. I remember this. And then she yeah. said, "You know, okay, then I didn't write. I needed to do a rock album." <laughs> so now she got a rock album. Yeah. Well, she definitely <laughs> wasn't singing out there on on Thanksgiving. Oh, I know. No, she was not. Uh, but she, yeah. we need a creed. Dolly Parton is a legend. Legend. But oh, the she creed, actually the creed has halftime performances. Creed are not a legend. Arguably more uh, legendary. <laughs> Uh no, remember they they did perform though, right? At the Cowboys game back year, in the day, two years ago, yeah, yeah, a long time no, ago. It was like two thousand one. Uh, it was right after nine eleven. Uh yeah, what? Damn, that's 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 disrespectful because <laughs> the Creed should it be brought the nation that. together. Oh no, it did not. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was you two singing uh, in New Orleans at the Super Bowl. The brought the uh, that there that was you awesome. go. Or George W. in that the pitch, yeah, right? the, pitch. the first pitch up there at Yankee Stadium. That was nice. Uh, okay, Ty, I sent you a couple of clips for off the record. Basically, would you get the George Kittle one? Because you, I don't know if you knew where I was going with this off the record, but you hit the nail on the head, brother. I didn't. I mean, we're just you know thinking along the same lines. Great minds think alike here. I mean, we got that uh, that connection. But George Kittle apparently is a. I don't know why Creed's making a comeback here. They're, and you know what, Ty? Your Rangers are responsible for this. Because now we've got NFL teams that are asking for Creed because they want Creed Mojo because the Rangers use Creed as one of their motivational uh, inspirations to win a World Series. And now you got Kirk Cousins. Remember, he said, hey, man, we should break out some Creed in our locker room. They were playing it. And now the 49ers' George Kittle jumping on the Creed bandwagon. Play it, Ty. Um, you know, hopefully in Seattle they have Creed uh, come out and perform like they did in Dallas at one time. That was amazing. Um, but, you know, just excited about it. You know, it, it is, it's a great holiday. All these families are together, and a majority of people are, you know, sitting down with the NFL, with the NFL games on. And so you got a lot of eyes on you. And the fact that we get to play a division rival uh, in Seattle with a great atmosphere just kind of makes it that much more special. Why is Creed making a comeback? What is, is, it, is, it, is all the Rangers' fault, Ty? Is it the Rangers that have done this that people are now mentioning Creed more? Uh, I mean, I, Creed's always been at the top of my mind since before the Rangers. So, I'd, <laughs> really, I don't. I feel like I, it's, it's, this is like kind of an ongoing joke. But the the Rangers personified it for sure. Sure, they did. Yeah, um, but I yes, so. I mean, you know, to each his own. To each his own on that. Oh man, uh, I would say. Uh, speaking of music, Rod, did you know that? Did you? I grew up in the '80s listening to Hall and Oates. Hall and oh Oates. yeah, remember Hall and Oates? Love Hall and Oates. Well, is Hall is now clear? suing Oates. Hall oh. is suing Oates. Oh. That's sad. Uh, he says we're, he's my business partner. He's not my creative partner. Because apparently John oh, no. Oates is trying to sell his part of the, the songs. The songs. How they, can he do that? That's what, that's the, what the lawsuit is <laughs> He's about. like, how can you sell part of my song? Correct. Well, he wants to cash in, right? He's <laughs> yeah, not, yeah, yeah. Because Daryl Hall's still making money doing TV shows and doing a lot of stuff. But he was always the talent. Yeah. John Oates was just the guy with the mustache. So now the money's drying up. He's like, yeah, I need some more money, man. Yeah. Some revenue coming in. he wants in. to sell, sell, the, these rights. sell the rights <laughs> and make a bundle. And Daryl Hall's like, no, you can't do that. No, man. That stuff's going to get more and more valuable yeah. as time goes on. Huh? You he, right? He, he, yeah. We, they, we, were, we made songs under Hall and Oates. You can't go selling the Oates part. There is no Oates part. <laughs> talking about <laughs> yeah, I agree. That's kind of that, that sounds ridiculous. How are you gonna sell part of the song? No one was buying it for you, Oates. They you weren't. can't sell it. Come on, man. We know who the talent was there. All right, we know who the talent was. We know who that is. Man, that's, that's that's sad though. By the way, Rod, Americans spent a record nine point eight billion dollars online on Black Friday. You know, the weird thing is, a lot of these Black Friday sales have been exposed that they're not actually Black Friday sales. That they're actually just sales that they have throughout the year. 
and they just say on Black Friday they drop it down to the same sales price. Yeah. There was a, there were several Instagram, TikTok videos exposing this in department stores like Target where they would remove the Black Friday sign and, and beneath it it'd be the same price and they just say Black Friday sale. It's like it's the same price as the sale before. So uh, they, they, they're using our obsession with Black Friday against us now. Yeah. You ain't getting no real deals, folks. They just think you just think you're getting deals. Yeah. <laughs> well, because well a lot of places have like pre-black black. Yes. Friday pl- pricing. Yeah, exactly. Come, Come on, on now. You know, you know. Sucker born every day. But, you know, you know 9.8 billion online Friday. Ooh, that's a lot of cash, man. Most of it going to Jeff well, Bezos. Today's like Cyber Monday. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was going to say Bezos about to hit it again. And you know what tomorrow is? What's Tuesday? That? Well, you know it's Tuesday. It's low airfare travel Tuesday or something like that. Like, apparently, if you want to go on a trip through the holidays or in the next year, tomorrow will be the best fares. You're going to get. That's what they say. Nobody wants to travel on a Tuesday. <laughs> no, no, no. Buying the tickets tomorrow. Oh, uh, gotcha. you book your trip tomorrow. Uh, okay. All right. I'll look that up. I'll get you details okay. in our off the record. We also need your decision. Who was better, Dolly Parton or Jack Harlow? Nah. Nah, neither. Cowboys <laughs> were certainly better than the Lions. Neither. But they have shows on Turkey Day. Longhorns were pretty damn good Friday night. We're talking about it with you. Hook them up on Ian Rodby.